You've tuned in to the Message to Kings podcast, where we tell the complete history. Welcome to Message of Kings podcast. My name is Janelle Heaston, and yes, I am related to Brett. He is my husband. I am very excited about sharing one of my favorite accounts in history, the Rebellion of Korah. It is my desire for you to find this story in history as inspiring as I have. This is episode 22, Korah's Rebellion. To get us up to speed on where we are historically, let's look at a few events that have taken place in order to set the stage for today's topic. In the episode two weeks ago, there was a rebellion after the spies came back and God sentenced the Israelites to wander in the desert for 38 more years. Today I'm going to share about a man in history named Korah. He was a Levite, meaning he was specifically chosen from among God's chosen people to serve in the priesthood. Korah was actually cousins to Moses and Aaron. He wasn't too happy about the fact that his cousins held more responsibility and status among the Israelites than his functions. As a Levite, as stated in Deuteronomy 10, 8 and 9, they were given no land allotment and were instead dedicated to serving the Lord, assisting in the daily functions in the tabernacle. He was not content with his position when he compared himself to Moses, who held civil responsibilities, and God spoke directly to him, and Aaron, who God had given the role as the priest. Let's start with the overview of the historical account found in Numbers fifteen thirty-eight. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. And you shall have a tassel and that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined and that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God, I am the Lord your God. The people were commanded by the Lord to make fringes on the borders of their garments. This was a very specific command by God spoken to Moses for Moses to share with the Israelites. What was the purpose of this command? If God spoke it, it is definitely for a reason, so let's see why. It was because the Lord God knew the Israelites needed something to trigger their minds to remember all the Lord had done for them and to not follow the desires of the flesh, but to put him first in their lives. If they were tempted to sin, the fringe with the blue thread would act as a reminder not to break the commandments. History has already proven up to this point that Israelites quickly failed to remember all God had done for them. So this was one additional reminder for them to remember all he had done and all he would continue to do for them. Okay, so let's move on to number 16, where you find the account of Korah's rebellion. Korah was so discontent with his position in the camp that his attitude quickly spread to some of his neighbors in camp the Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram, On, and 250 well-known men in the Israelite community who had been appointed as members of the council. They all rose up against Moses, saying, in number 16.3, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? Here's the heart of the rebellion. First, the Lord God spoke to Moses, commanding the Israelites to wear the tassels with the blue cord for remembrance, which sounds like a simple enough command, right? A simple request from God to have tassels on the corners of the garments proved to create a huge issue with Korah and his followers. Let's examine further why. According to Jewish history, 
Cora was the possessor of extraordinary wealth and might have even held a very high position in the Egyptian palace. Supposedly, he had discovered one of Joseph's hidden treasures in Egypt. It was also noted in other Jewish references that when Korah and his followers came to speak to Moses and Aaron, they were wearing all blue wool garments with fringes and asked Moses if he still needed to wear fringes or not since the entire garment was blue. Remember God's command. He clearly said, speak to the children of Israel, tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. So why is this so important? There is no mention of God stating that you could wear all blue garments with fringes that were also blue because the entire purpose of the blue thread in each tassel on each corner of the garment was for them to remember all God had done because there was a contrast in the colors of the tassels to the one blue thread. So it caught your eye, which held the purpose of remembering. It was a commandment made for their protection. This would it be for Korah to wear a garment with the blue cord on each tassel to remind him of all God had done when he was already questioning the authority of God and the role of Moses. You see, Korah states in number 16.3, the whole community is holy, implying why do we need these set of rules to help us be holy if we already are? Who are you, Moses and Aaron? I, Korah, held all the high status and position in Egypt with my wealth while you were nothing, and now you are telling me what to do? Thus here lies the conflict. Moses and Aaron's main ambitions was to serve God, and Korah's desire was to serve himself. From this point on in scripture, you will see how the situation quickly unravels. So after Korah and his followers approached Moses and Aaron with this, Moses fell face down, which shows he is physically hurt with this level of rebellion. And I believe they were also praying to God, asking for wisdom on how to handle this situation. God gave Moses wisdom on how to deal with them by saying, in number 16:5, Moses spoke to Korah and all his company saying, tomorrow morning, the Lord will show who he is and who is holy and will cause him to come near to me. That one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near to him. Do this, Korah and all your company. Take censers, which are the vessel in which incense is presented on the golden altar before the Lord and the temple, usually reserved for the priest. Put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man who the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourself, you sons of Levi. Moses invited everyone to stand before the Lord as equals at the tent of meeting. Each one is to have a censer filled with incense to burn before the Lord. So basically, Moses is leaving it up to God to decide who will be received or rejected by him. It's interesting to note that Kor and his followers show no sign of believing they will actually be rejected by the Lord. Their deep level of rebellion toward Moses and Aaron felt justified, and they really believed that they would be found holy in the sight of God despite this disagreement with Moses. To further the evidence that their perspective had been tainted by their rebellion, in number 1613, Dathan and Abiram, who are part of the rebellion, State to Moses, isn't it enough that you've brought us out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert, and now you also want to lord it over us? How bizarre of a statement was this? Keep in mind, if you would have asked the Israelites why they were living in Egypt, how they would describe their life there, I seriously doubt they would have said, Egypt is such a wonderful place to live. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The rebellion had tainted their perspective and judgment on everything. These guys looked back on their past and exaggerated the one thing that satisfied them while living in Egypt, and that was the memory of the food there. 
Oh, how easy it is for us to live on temporal things that feed the flesh and turn our eyes away from God. As the story continues, the next morning comes and here everyone gathers around the tent of meeting. Just imagine, everyone in the camp by this point has already heard of this rebellion by Korah and his men. There has been rumors, speculations, and personal opinions shared amongst all the people. I am sure everyone in the camp had personally decided in their heart who they sided with. Just imagine the tent of meeting with Moses and Aaron and then Korah and his followers holding their censers at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to the entire assembly. Okay, let me say that again. The glory appeared to everyone. This is the same glory that was described in Exodus twenty-four sixteen, when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and the glory of the Lord was described by the Israelites as a devouring fire on top of the mount. Wow. So the Israelites had seen this type of glory before. The Lord then tells Moses and Aaron to separate yourself from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. Instantly, Moses and Aaron fell face down again and cried out to God, Oh God, in the Hebrew, this specific meaning of God is Elohim, meaning the creator and judge of the universe. Oh creator and judge of the universe, shall one man's sin bring on anger to the entire congregation? God instructs Moses to move everyone away from Korah and his followers and informs them very clearly, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. Note, God is here making it very clear to the congregation, Separate yourself from their rebellious attitudes. You have a choice right now. Moses continues, this is how you will know that the Lord has sent me, Moses, to do all these things and that it is not my idea. Number 1629. If these men die naturally, like all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Just as Moses finished speaking all these words, the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, and their households, and all the men with Korah, with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them, and they perished among the assembly. Then all Israel, who were around them, fled at their cry, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. So it proved that Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and all the 250 perished that day due to the rebellion in their hearts against God. They sought to walk outside their calling and purpose and felt justified for the rebellion against Moses, Aaron, and God himself. Unfortunately, it doesn't end here. Though the ones who started the rebellion had died, the poison of rebellion had been released, and by the next day, the Israelites started complaining and grumbling against Moses and Aaron, stating, You have killed the Lord's people. Once again, we see God tell Moses and Aaron to get away from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. And once again, Moses and Aaron fell face down in prayer to God. Moses then advises Aaron to take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, Put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. 
Aaron did as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly, and all around him he could see the plague had already begun. As soon as Aaron ran into the midst of the assembly, holding the censer, which was a symbol of his authority as a high priest, the plague stopped. In number 1648, it states, And Aaron stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. Okay, here, once again, God is confirming to the Israelites, Aaron is the high priest. I have given this position to him to hold this authority. He has interceded for your life, and because of his call to pray and intercede for your life, the plague has stopped. Your lives are spared. It is interesting to note here that the original rebellion started because Korah and his followers felt Moses shouldn't be their leader and Aaron shouldn't be the high priest and challenged their roles and decisions made. They felt they should be an equal position to Moses and Aaron because, remember, they felt that the whole congregation was holy. But so far, for, throughout this entire account, we see Moses and Aaron constantly falling on their faces, praying to God for mercy for the Israelites and for wisdom on how to respond. Sadly, those who died in the plague were 14,700 besides those who died in the Korah incident. The plague that struck the camp was the scene of the longest and bloodiest day in the wilderness. This incident far outnumbered the 3,000 that had died previously from calf worshiping. Fortunately, it doesn't just end here with bloodshed. There is another story, my favorite part of the story, a story of redemption. This is where today's podcast will end, and I will share next week in episode 23, The Story of Redemption, The Sons of Korah. Thank you for tuning in and have a blessed week. Tune in next week to the Message to Kings podcast.